you turn with me to the book of Isaiah. You can find Psalm, Proverbs, turn to the right, you'll see the first big book of prophecy is the book of Isaiah. And today we want to look at prophecy. I want to talk to you about looking into the future. We're going to look at the future. We start a new year this coming year. I don't want to talk about not 2021. We just need to talk about the future out there. And uh, let me tell you something. I've been following prophecy for 40 years now. He is batting 1,000. He's never missed it. I'm, I'm amazed at how accurate the Bible is for the days we live in. Now, if you're a student of prophecy, you know this. Uh, world history is divided into seven periods of time. World history is divided into seven periods of time, according to the book of Revelation. If you're a student of prophecy, you know we're in the seventh period. We're in what the Bible calls the latter days. Now, whether the Bible said this, Jesus himself said this, there is a day set that no man knows, not even the angels, not even the son, only the father knows the day he has set in his own power. And on that set day, world history is going to wrap up. On God's timetable, it's going to come to an end. Jesus will come back to this earth and he will rule it with a rod of iron. He's going to rule it from the city of Jerusalem. And I don't know what that day is. I don't know whether it's five years from now, 10 years from now, 50 years from now. But world history is divided into seven periods of time. And it's not the uh, Bronze Age which moved into the Iron Age. He determines world history. And we're in the seventh period. And I want to help you see some things in the latter days here that we're going to see. You'll see these coming. This won't be a shock to you. But this is to help you. Uh, I want people not to get caught off guard. I want us to be, the Bible said there were some men, they were called the sons of Issachar who lived in the day of David. Listen to what the Bible said about them. The sons of Issachar understood the times they lived in that they might know what to do. You need to be a people who understand by prophecy, by the Bible, what's going on in the earth so you can know what to do. And dear ones, the only way you'll know what to do is through him because he's the only one that knows the future. I want to look at the first one in Isaiah chapter 63 verses. From the, we have prophetic voices in the nation. Uh, I'm just going to be real honest with you. Most of what I hear in prophecy is just goofy. But don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. The Bible is very clear. There are still people who can hear the voice of God. And what I'm hearing today is that Isaiah chapter 60 verses 1 through 3 are the word of the Lord for this day. And what's coming in this day. Let's read them together. Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1. Arise and shine because your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Now here's the prophecy of the earth, verse two. Darkness shall cover the earth, deep darkness the people. Do you understand that? The Bible prophesied that in these latter days, in this period of time, something called deep darkness would cover the earth. Now this is not political, it's not economical, although it'll reflect there. The darkness that the Bible speaks of here is attitudes. And you're going to see this darkness. And by the way, this is a spirit of darkness. Spirit darkness is going to cover the earth. You're going to see it reflected in the attitudes of people. I'm going to show you this in the New Testament in a minute. And if you're as old as I am, you'll say, I've seen that happen in my lifetime. But what's the other side of it? Let's read the rest of that. Verse two, darkness shall cover the earth. Deep darkness is going to cover people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen on you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. What do you hear in that prophecy? Those three verses, what do you hear right there? Great darkness is going to cover the earth. Great light is coming into the earth. Both together. Pastor Robert Morris of Gateway Church. Uh, I heard him say recently, he said, I had a prophetic dream. God spoke to me in a dream. And he said, I was with two other preachers in a car. There were three of us riding in the front seat. And he said, I had one was driving. I was in the middle. Another was to my right. And the one to my left said, God has shown me the future. 
And the one on my right said, God has shown me the future too of what's coming in the nation and in the area. And uh, the one on the left, he said, God has shown me that it's going to be very dark, difficult times coming. And the one on the right said, God has shown me that great, wonderful times are coming. Which one of them's right? Both of them. What's the prophecy? Darkness is going to cut loose in this earth. Darkness is going to cover the earth. Light's going to hit this earth. It depends on where you stand. And Jesus himself said this concerning when he talked about the latter days, Jesus said this, the sons of evil and the sons of light will both grow together until the end of the age. So what Jesus said is going to grow in the earth, darkness. What else is going to grow in the earth? Light and righteousness is going to grow in the earth. You're going to see an acceleration of evil in this earth. Surprise. But what are you going to see according to this passage? God's going to put his hand on people. The glory of the Lord's going to be on people. And people are going to shine. And what's the result of it? What it said in that third verse? Gentiles are going to come to you and ask you, why are you different? Gentiles are going to come to your light and say, you, you live in the same mess the rest of us do. You're in the same place we are. Why is it that you don't live like other people live? What is it about you? Well, what is it? The glory of the Lord's going to be on you. It's not because you're going to try. The glory of the Lord is the spirit of the Lord. And God's going to, I'm going to quote Acts 2, 17. Here's what the Bible said. And it'll come to pass in the latter days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters, common people will prophesy and speak. The spirit of God's going to be moving in the earth in wonderful ways on people's, in people's lives. I'm seeing it already. A lot of people are cursing this younger generation. The 20s and 30s of today, the young millennial and right under that generation, I'm seeing them love God like no generation in my lifetime. Now they don't do church. They're not interested in a bunch of dead religion, but I'm seeing God touch people's hearts and draw them to himself. I mean, like I've never seen in my lifetime. And he said that in the latter days, this crowd's going to go crazy and this crowd's going to come to me. And you're going to see that in the latter days. Now turn with me to 2 Timothy to the other one. 2 Timothy 3. And I remind you, 2 Timothy 3 was penned 2,000 years ago, almost 2,000 years ago. Well, actually a little over 2,000 years ago now. I keep forgetting how old I've gotten. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now this is a specific, what does it mean darkness will cover the earth? This specifically breaks it down and tells you what you can expect. And let me tell you, we're going to read 2 Timothy 3. I've seen this happen in my lifetime. I've watched the culture change in my lifetime. And dear ones, it always, the spirits working in the earth always reflect in the attitudes of people. It's always about attitudes and the way people treat each other. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says this. Know this, dear ones, if your heavenly father wrote in his word for you to know this, me and you should, we need to know this. That in the last days, why does the Bible talk about last days? Did you think this earth was going to go on forever? I recently saw a scientific report that said, if we keep going at this pace 3,000 years from now, the earth will have trouble existing. My goodness. Have you ever heard of global warming? You ever heard of global warming? Second Peter chapter 3, the earth and the works in it are going to be burned up. That's global warning. I'm telling you, the Bible's accurate. So the Bible said there's something called the last days. Now watch this. Know this. In the last days perilous times will come. Take the word perilous out and put the word, our word for it is stress. The Bible said, you, you need to know this. When we move closer to the second coming of Jesus in the latter days, which is the period we're in, the final period, stressful times will come in the earth. Do I need to stand up here and convince you that we're seeing stress in the earth? This has changed in my lifetime. I'm 63 years old. 
You want to learn about culture? Go back and watch your TV shows. Go back to the 1960s when Mr. Lincoln was in the White House and I was just a boy. And uh, watch shows like Andy Griffith, Leave It to Beaver, Father Knows Best. Go back and watch those shows. You know what you see? You see a culture with very little stress in it. Everybody's just happy as they could be, just minding their manners. Right was right. Wrong was wrong. Everybody knew both of them. Everybody did their part. Everybody, even, even when Otis got drunk, he knew to lock himself up. You didn't have to fist fight with the police. People had some sense back then. You know what? People had sense. I've seen a change in attitudes in my lifetime. And he's going to describe these attitudes. I want you to read them with me. Know this, that in the latter times. Now, dear ones, what makes things stressful? He's fixing to tell you. Stressful times will come because men will be. And then it goes on to describe the attitudes of a culture. See if you've seen this. The first two it mentions, lovers of themselves, lovers of money. What happens when people become self-centered and greedy? What does that do to society? It makes for a stressful society. Can you see that? But it's always reflected in the hard attitudes. Lovers of themselves, lovers of money, arrogant, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Have y'all ever heard of any disobedient to parents in the last 30 years? Somebody should do a show now. Father does not know best. <laughs> Ungrateful, unholy, unloving. Look at that word unforgiving. It's the Greek word irreconcilable. People cannot get along. They cannot reconcile their differences. On January 20, a new political party will go in office here. And I've been told by them that they're going to bring us all together. And we're going to sit in a circle and make s'mores and sing kumbaya and smile at one another. Good luck. Men are going to be irreconcilable. I'm hearing people say, what's it going to take for people to come together today? What did the Bible say? In the latter days, people, you know, unforgiving is irreconcilable. I'll never forget what you did. And not only that I want you to lose your job, I want your children cooked in oil too. We've reached the crazy place in this land. All right. <clears throat> unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal. Look at this with me. Last part of verse three, despisers of good. I understand if you don't want to do good, but why do you hate good? All right, verse four, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than God. I read verse five with me. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. They go to church, but there's no power in their lives to change their lives. What good does it go to church if Jesus can't make a change in your life? So the Bible prophesies a powerless religion and it can't control the attitudes of people. It goes on to describe that, said from such turn away, one of the, I think one of the funniest verses in the Bible is verse seven, where it says this, always learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know what that means? Well-educated and clueless. Always learning, but can't come to the knowledge of the truth. Right now in this nation, this is the most educated generation in world history. And how's that doing us? You know, if education were the answer, we'd be living in glory land. Truth is not facts. Truth is the son of God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. How can a man have a PhD and can't hold his family together? How can a man, how can a man explain physics and can't get out of the rain? All right, but it describes that era. And then it goes on down to talk about some things. And I want you to, we're just going to look forward. Verse 13, evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse deceiving and being deceived. According to verse 13, what's going to happen? Great deception. 
surely you're not going to tell me that a, pro- a politician would promise me something and then not do it. All right. Verses one through 13 describe the culture that's coming. What the Bible says in Isaiah, darkness will cover the earth. This is the darkness. This is it laid out. You've seen this happen. But now let's shift gears here. I told you light's coming in the earth. Verse 14 says this. Look at the first two words in verse 14. But you. See, God speaking to me says, you're not going to be like that. But you must continue in the things you've learned. So he changes gears here and he says, even though darkness is going to come in the earth and it's going to affect the attitudes of people, let me tell you what's going to happen in these latter days. God's people are going to shine like never before. They're going to continue. And we could go on and read those next four verses when he says this, you're going to continue in the things you've learned. The Bible talks about from childhood, verse 15, you've known the Holy Scriptures, which will make you wise. Verse 16, all Scriptures given. Verse 17, that a man or woman of God may be perfect, thoroughly equipped for every good work. What you hear right there is, my people are going to stick with the Bible and God's Word is going to light their lives up and they're going to be different. So what you're going to see is light and darkness side by side growing together. This is the great, uh, great prophecy of the times. Now, you say, well, Brother Brown, I sure am encouraged this morning. Let me tell you something. We need to know the truth. The truth sets us free. Now here, now that's the truth. That's what's going to happen in the earth. You're going to see this happen. And if you're thinking that, well, the Democrats will get in office and America's going to be better, you've put your trust in the wrong place. My daddy's 92 years old, got the most common sense any man I've ever known in my life. We were talking last week and he said, I'm going to tell you something, son. He said, the answer for this country's problems are not going to come from Capitol Hill. You can forget it. Friend, listen, unless the Lord builds the house, we're laboring in vain. And we are fools for putting our hope in men and trusting in men. Instead of humbling ourselves, as our forebears said, Abraham Lincoln, men like that said, until we get on our knees before Almighty God and trust Him to rebuild the land, it's not going to be rebuilt. All right. Now, that's what's coming in the earth. Now, here's the word of the Lord to me in this day. I knew this was coming anyway. I'm going to bring you three words from heaven that'll help you. Are you ready? I got to have more than one. Are you ready? All righty. Number one, you got to toughen up. You got to toughen up. Let me make an announcement. Candy canes melt when the heat gets turned up. (laughs) Tough times will only be overcome by tough people. And we're living in a day where people are wilting and falling apart because they've never seen nothing like this before. Listen, you better toughen up. You better take up all the armor of God. You better get strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And we need to find a place in Jesus. Now, let me tell you something. By toughen up, I don't mean harden up. I don't mean get hateful and mad at everybody and get angry. Don't go AOC on me and stick a pitchfork and everybody doesn't do what you say. I'm not talking about that kind of junk. I'm not talking about hiding somewhere away from this nasty old world. Let me tell you something. God wants to plant you right in the middle of it to shine as a light in it. But we're going to have to toughen up in this generation. We have built a generation of candy cane. They tell me now that you don't even have to roll the window up in your car. You can just push a button and it'll go up. <laughs> Luxury has had unintended consequences on this generation. And we got to toughen up in this day. Let me tell you something. If you don't get over this self-pity, it's going to destroy you. Self-pity is Satan's Kool-Aid. Quit drinking it. And we're going to have to be a people who, as the Bible says, have put our hands to the plow and not looked back. Now, I've had people say to me before, and I've often thought this, I wish I'd have been born in cowboy days. Should have been a cowboy. 
You listen to Esther 4.14. Listen to what the Bible says. You were born for such a time as this. You are exactly where you're supposed to be at this exact point in history. God put you here for such a time as this. We're living exactly when we're supposed to in the economy of his eternal picture. And you're where you need to be. Now, the Bible said this in Ephesians 6.10. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on all the armor of God. For we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in the atmosphere. Problem's not the Democrats. I can't get one amen out of that. The problem's not the Republicans. Amen. I knew that. Problem's not your mama-in-law. Problem's not them dumb hippies. I could go on down the list. Darkness has covered the earth. And you're in a battle with, listen, the Savior has laid down his life for you, his spirit's in you, but you're going to bump heads with ugly beings all day long in this culture from here on out. And you got to put on that armor to get there. Now, let me explain to you something that's going to happen. The tragedy of this day is that the culture is going to affect the way God's people live. That should not happen. I don't mean you're going to start smoking cigarettes and dancing like they do. Let me give you one of the great prophecies of the future. The greatest passage of prophecy in the Bible is Matthew 24. It's where Jesus was asked, what will the earth be like right before you come back? And he laid it out in clear terms. And I'm going to mention to you one of them that he mentioned. See if you've seen this happen. Imagine this. Jesus said, these things will come upon the earth. Matthew 24, 12, he said this. Lawlessness will abound. Now I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to say something crazy. You're not going to believe this. When Jesus prophesied that in the latter days, we would be moving toward lawlessness. You know what lawlessness is? Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Ain't nobody going to tell I'll do whatever I want to do. I'm going to show you how crazy this is going to get. There'll come a day in this nation when people will actually, please don't laugh me off stage for saying this. There's going to come a day in this nation when people want to defund police. I know you think that's crazy. Does somebody think like that? Because of a few bad apples, some folks want to defund police. No, sir. People want to defund the police because they do not want to be told what to do. Because lawlessness will, Jesus said the spirit of lawlessness will come in the earth. Children won't want to obey their parents. School systems will tell children, you don't have to tell your parents what we're doing with you here. Let me tell you something. God didn't give those children to a school system. He gave them to parents. And they're the responsibility of parents, not the school system. The government does not own your children. You do. And this spirit of lawlessness that rebels against God's law, rebels against man's law. Lawlessness is simply, I'll do whatever I feel like doing. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. He said that spirit would cover the earth. And he said it would break loose. In my generation, I've seen this. Now I want to read, I want to quote the rest of that verse. Verse Matthew 24, 12. Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will start to grow cold. Are we seeing that happen? Because people are starting to act crazy, other people are starting to pull back and their hearts are getting hard because of this. Dear ones, we've got to go in the other direction. Do not let the insanity of this culture dictate how you live. Don't harden your heart. Don't you say, so I'll just stay away from them fools. No, you need to go get right in the middle of them fools. You need to plant yourself right in the middle of them. Jesus did not look down at a broken earth and say, I ain't going there crazy. I'm not going down there. He came and walked among us as the light of the world. And we beheld his glory. Guess what he said right after that? Now you're the light of the world. And I'm going to plant you in a dark place so you can whine. I think it said shine. I mean, the difference between shine and whine. K 
Can I get a witness? We need a whole lot more shining and a whole lot less whining. I told you these days were coming, dear ones. People saying, you can't believe what they're doing. I knew it years ago. God wrote it 2,000 years ago. We need to toughen up. And again, by toughen up, I don't mean get ugly and mean and hateful. I'm talking about, let me, let me put it in language you can understand. We need to toughen up with a smile. Amen. Praise God. I think we need to start singing. There's an old hymn I used to love. We need to bring it back called, What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stronger. How can you have victory if there's no war? How can you be a conqueror if ain't nobody to conquer? Something to conquer. How can you be an overcomer if you don't overcome? Well, listen, we built a honey bun generation <laughs> that wants a cherry on the top, in the air conditioning, in the recliner with 168 channels. What planet are you living on? <laughs> Coming to a planet near you, hell's going to hit this earth and you need to be ready. And you need to be yoked up and you need to be set. I, when I played football as a young man, your goal was not to be clean. Your goal was not to get hurt. Your goal was to whoop somebody. Can I get a witness? I, I know, I know, we've, I know America's embraced a candy cane religion. We're all going to smile at each other and be clammy. What do you think it talks about the sword of the spirit for? You don't use swords like a violin. Dear ones, I heard where one denomination even took the great song, Onward Christian Soldiers Marching As to War, took it out because it was too offensive. You're going to get your fanny kicked or your nose bleeds if you don't toughen up. That's a verse I found somewhere in Malachi. Mama, you listen to me. When that young'un comes home and bows up and tells you the teacher said it ought to be this way, go whoop the teacher, whoop the child, and whoop the social worker when they show up. You need to toughen up. <laughs> Listen to me. Teenagers, when they put the pressure on you, you tell them to stick it in your ear. I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't follow you. That's what I mean by toughen up. Now, you, you may have to get a little firm once in a while. If you go redneck on me, I'll forgive you on occasion. <laughs> but you got to make up your mind any old dead fish can float down the river with the culture. God's people are going to swim upstream in the light. And you're going to have to decide. I have decided to follow MTV. How'd that song go? I can't remember. His name is Jesus. And we have to make up our minds. Toughen up. All right. <clears throat> Joe, hear that toughen up part? This is Redneck Sunday. Number two. Considering what's coming, toughen up. Number two, you're going to have to loosen up. Well, we need some loosening up in the land. Do you know what loosen up means? You have to start letting some things go. All right. The Bible said, we saw it. The scripture said this, the stressful times will come. Can I just ask y'all a question? Have y'all noticed any stress anywhere in the land? Anywhere at all? I never heard of road rage till I was a grown man. It didn't exist back when Barney was the deputy. When Father knew best, we didn't have road rage. We, somebody blew the horn, you got out of the way and waved at them. Where's all this stress coming from? Let me tell you where stress comes from in your life. I'm going to define stress for you from the Bible. Here's what stress is. Trying to control what God never meant for you to control. That's where stress comes from. Trying to fix what God never told you to fix. Trying to change what God never asked you to change. That's where stress comes from. 
Stress comes from wearing your equipment out where it's not supposed to even be turned on. And we're seeing that in the land today. I want you to, let me help you de-stress. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 10 to the passage on stress. I don't know why we hadn't covered this already. Here's the Bible passage on stress and how to de-stress your life. From my medical friends, of course I read and keep up with this. One in four, one in four American women over the age of 35 are on psychotic medicine. One in four millions. I'm not, I'm not criticizing. That's a great bridge to get you where you need to be. What kind of society have we created that that kind of stress is on people today? This insanity that a young mother is supposed to be a master chef, a master lover, a great mother and, and be the CEO of a company. God himself is the only one can do that. Why are we putting this pressure on people like this? The children have to be able to get in Princeton by the time they're nine. What are you doing to them? I've had people, I'm probably fixing to tick you off. I've had people say, my child can do calculus before they go to kindergarten. Why do they need it that early? Give them a BB gun, let them play. Let them shoot out some windows and enjoy their lives. What are we doing in this culture that we're in a dead race to get to where? The cemetery? <laughs> You're gonna get there a whole lot quicker with this stress. We need to de-stress the culture de-stress our lives. Here's the passage that tells you how to do it. I want you to listen to the words of Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, he said this. Come to me. Come to me, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. All you that labor and are heavy laden. Give me another phrase for labor and heavy laden. Stressed out. I will give you. All right. If I'm stressed, what do I need to do right there? Go to Jesus and he's going to give me rest. Now listen, rest there doesn't mean a nap. It's the abbreviation of the Greek word restoration. Restoration. You ever heard that word before? The Lord is my shepherd. He's working me to death. Is that what it says? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down. He leads me beside still waters. He what? He restores my soul. He doesn't wear my soul out and stress it out. He restores my soul a restored, healed soul that's at rest. Let's read a little verse, verse 29. Watch this. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. There it is. You got no business doing anything Jesus don't want you doing. There is no stress in his yoke. Do you understand what yoke is there? Have you ever seen one? I got caught up between, I got caught, I was in Honduras one day and got caught in a mess with some oxen that were yoked together. Uh, the yoke is a, a huge beam. It's got little, little, little uh, cutouts in it. And it goes across the shoulders of two ox. And then you've got a little round piece that goes up underneath them. And then of course the, the cables are attached to the cart or the sled or whatever. And those two ox, they pull together and that's called a yoke of oxen. What did Jesus just say to you? Get right here beside me. Be a part of what I'm doing in the earth. Let me teach you what to do. Come here, come here, take my yoke. Let's me and you walk together. Live my life. Obey me. All right, now he asked you to get in yoke with him. Now watch what he says about this. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find stress for your soul. Is that what it says? You'll find healing for your soul. Watch these last words, verse 30. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You don't get stressed out when it's easy and light and you got rest. Can you see from that passage that if you're stressed and struggling and kicking and screaming, you're trying to fix something he doesn't want you fixing. 
you're trying to change something. He didn't want you changing. I talked with a parent this past week and I, I was able to help them. A lot of this religious responsibility is not from God. We need to listen to his word. They were all upset about their children acting a certain way and their children were grown. You listen to me. I got three children. My responsibility is to love them, care for them when they're young, provide for them, protect them, train them, teach them the truth and model the truth. When they become adults, I can't control their decisions anymore. I'm trying to take the stress off your life. You are not responsible for other people's decisions. If the world's screwed up, you're not God. You're not supposed to fix it. He has a specific assignment for you and there's no stress in it. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. So if you're frazzled out and you're doing medication or Bud Light medication, you need to go to Jesus and say, you tell me how to live because I want that rested life where your yoke is easy and your burden's light. This sounds strange to Americans because we're, we're sort of proud of being frazzled. How you been doing? Busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. Why? Listen to me. This insanity of me looking in the rearview mirror and here's a young mother and she's got three screaming children in the car behind me in the morning and she's got a cell phone stuck on this ear and mascara right there and a honey bun here and she's eating it backwards trying to get to work. This is nuts. Find out what God wants you to do and enjoy your life and let it go. Let the rest go. My dear friend, Mickey Evans, who started Dunklin' Camp and saw thousands of men's lives turned around, freed from alcoholism and drug addiction. In the early days, Mickey had a nervous breakdown. So actually, it was an emotional breakdown because, the, because some men didn't make it. And a man came in the program and he loved him. They were doing great. And all of a sudden, one day, the guy got mad and walked off, left the property, left the camp. Two days later, he was found dead in the hotel room. He drunk himself to death. And Mickey said, it just broke me. And I was broken in motion. I had a nervous breakdown. I had to go get help. And he said, God taught me, Mickey, you're not responsible when they fail. And you're not responsible when they succeed. I am God and you're not. And it healed him and he set him on the course. I had a young man I was working with. I was just something different about this guy. And I got involved with him and loved him and cared for him and tried to help him. And last Sunday morning, he was found dead in a hotel room over in Burlington, a cheap hotel of a drug overdose. Broke my heart. Listen, I can help you. I can love you, but I cannot make your decisions for you. And you got to quit trying to carry this world on your shoulders. And you need to, that's what I mean by you need to loosen up. You need, you need to let it go. All right. How many of you think there's some craziness in the earth? You talk about it on the phone all day. Talk to me. All right, I'm fixing to give you a word from God. And I know it'll shock you that he'd say this to you. But I'm telling you, if I can show it to you in the Bible, I didn't make it up. We have got to get back to this book in this generation. What did he say in 2 Timothy 3? The world's going to go crazy, but you get back to the Holy Scriptures. From which, Listen, this book is our life today. We've got to get back to it. Turn with me to Psalm 37. I'm going to get you off the telephone. Psalm 37. I want you to look with me, and this is a great passage. Now, dear ones, I'm just going to give you a picture. Why are you finding Psalm 37? I learned a great lesson last week. I knew it would happen. Uh, the king is teaching me about what to listen to. I bicycle because I, I quit running. I started bicycling for exercise. So I leave my house. The fellow beside me is a huge cattle farmer. He, he, he raises cows and he has a bull on his property. I told this Wednesday night. He has a bull on his property and it is Bullzilla. It's the largest bull in the county, Black Angus. I mean, he just, 
and he rules the farm and there's no truth and no grace in it. He is the boss. All right, I leave other damn riding and I pull out and, and that bull had laid down right beside the fence. He wasn't 10 foot from the pavement. He laid right beside the fence and he's looking down the road away from me. I see the backside of the bull. He's looking that way. So I just pulled up there beside him, just pulled over my bike and just stopped for a minute. I wasn't eight feet from him. He's right there across the fence and he's sitting there and he's chewing his cud. You don't know what that, you don't know, never mind. He's just chewing. And I just leaned, I just stopped and I said to him, you may come across that fence and slap you upside your head. <laughs> then I said, I'm a half a mind to come over and knock you out. Yeah, this 200 pounds is going to whoop out 2,000 pounds. And you know what happened? He didn't even turn around and look and see who was talking. With my hand in there, I'm right here beside him. He's looking down. He didn't even look back. He just... I didn't even exist. And I just laughed. I started praying. I said, Lord Jesus, I want to be full of bull. I said, I want to be just like that bull. When them voices start, I don't even look around and see who's talking. When them voices start on the internet, I just want to keep chewing. You listen to me. When them voices start in my head, I don't even want to give them the time of day. This voice is the only voice you need to listen to. Thus saith the Lord. I want to hear the good news of God. We need to turn off the junk. That's magnified in Psalm 37. All right, you ready? You're going to hear the king's fixing to speak to you and help you if you'll let him. Psalm 37, verse one, the Bible says this. Look at the first three words. Do not fret. You're done. What's fret mean? Worry, be upset, nervous, angry, ticked off, blown up, stripped out, whatever you want to call it. What did the Bible tell you to do right there? I know what some of you are thinking. I know what some of you are thinking. Brother Brian, if I don't worry about it, who will? Look at me right here. I love you like few pastors ever love people. That's dumb. That's dumb. Do not worry. Do not fret because of evildoers. Don't want what they've got. They shall soon be cut down like the grass and withers the green herb. I got news for you. Just because they're hooting today don't mean they'll hoot forever. There is a king and he will have the final word. All right. So brother Brian, you've wrecked my life. If I can't worry, what am I going to do? Verse three, trust in the Lord. Do good, dwell in the land, feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and let him give you the desires of your heart. This Psalm was written in a day of great wickedness in the earth. Matter of fact, you read a little bit further and it says this. I see wickedness spreading itself like kudzu across the land. Well, it says native green tree. You'll understand kudzu if you're from the South. I see wickedness spreading itself everywhere. But what do he say? You quit fussing about it and you just enjoy Jesus and let him give you the desires of your heart. Right in the middle of a mess, God's going to build the greatest families in world history today. He's going to bring up some of the greatest lives. He's going to bless people in business. He's going to bring up some of the greatest music. God is working greatly in the earth today and it's going to be side by side with the insanity of this culture. Quit fussing about the insanity and start celebrating his goodness. Let me go a little further here and help you. Commit your way to the Lord, verse five. Trust him, he'll make it happen. You just commit your way to him. Now watch verse seven. Rest in the Lord. Isn't it funny how he keeps seeing the word rest? There's a place of rest. Wait patiently. Do not prosper. I'm going to read verse eight. Look with me. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Can I ask you a question? Why would you do that to yourself? 
I had a friend of mine and uh, I asked him a while back, I said, why'd you quit drinking? I said, you, you used to drink like a fish. Why'd you quit drinking? He said, well, he said, pastor, one morning I woke up and I was so sick, I wanted to die. He said, I, mean, I was hurting. I said, I'm shocked. He said, and I said to myself, self, if somebody else had done this to you, you'd kill them. But you did this to yourself. I remember there comes a time to look up and say, self, why are you doing this to yourself? Why are you hurting yourself? Let's read verse eight again. I want you to remember verse eight. <clears throat> Cease from anger, forsake wrath, do not fret. All you're doing is hurting yourself. It only causes harm. Do you know what happened in those eight verses right there? And again, that's a time of great evil. It's talking about evil prospering in the earth. You know what he just said to you? I give you permission to turn it over to me and go to bed. I give you permission to let it go. Listen, you've got to raise children. Children are grown, bad business, whatever it is. Won't you take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there? Won't you just give it to him? I promise you, he can handle it. You can't. And it's time to de-stress. That's what it means to loosen up. That's what it means to let it go and let him have it. Quit trying to control things you can't. UPS man, I'm an Amazon man. I can't remember. Some, all of them pull up at my house all the time. When I'm pulled up the other day and I wanted to get out there to him before the dog got to him, my wife's dog, before it got to him. And I went out there and he was high. He was up in the truck. He was scared to come down. And I said, come back here. Come back here. Leave him alone. Come back here. I can't even get the stinking dog to listen to me. <laughs> I make decisions for one person and that's it. And you need to get there. Let me give you one more word. You need to toughen up. You need to loosen up. Let me teach you the greatest prayer you'll ever learn. You need to learn this prayer. It came out of Alcoholics Anonymous. A lot of people are alcoholics because they couldn't learn this prayer. And you need to pray this prayer. She's got three verses, three lines in it. Here it is. Perhaps you've heard this. Called the, it was called the drunk's prayer when I was young. Now it's called the serenity prayer because everything's got to be spicy now. And it goes like this. Heavenly Father, give me the courage to change what I can. He's got a plan for you. He's got a place for you. Give me the courage to change what I can. Number two, give me the serenity to accept what I can't. What you can't change, you can't change. What's, what's the third line? And give me the wisdom to know the difference. That prayer changed your life right there. Heavenly Father, show me what you want me to do. Give me the grace to do it. Give me the strength to do it. <clears throat> Give me the serenity to accept what I cannot change, which is about nothing apart from you. Can't even get my dog to listen to me. And give me the wisdom to know what you've called me to do and what you hadn't called me to do. That'll de-stress your life and change it completely. Let me throw one more in here before we quit real quickly. <clears throat> you need to tighten up. You need to toughen up. You need to loosen up and you need to look up. I want you to turn back to 2 Timothy 3. Here's a word for us today. In 2 Tim Timothy 3, he describes very clearly what's going to happen in, in the earth. And he said, stressful times will come because yada, yada, so forth and all this. You know that. Well, watch what he says to you and me. 2 Timothy 3. And let's put in at verse uh, 14. But you continue in the things which you've learned, so forth and so on. Verse 17, that the man or woman of God will be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good word. Listen to me. Get your eyes on Jesus. 
Make him the center of your life. Ask him, what am I doing on this earth? How do you want it done? How do you want me to live? How do you want me to treat people? How do you want me to serve people? Find his will for your life and enjoy yourself and finish your course with joy. He didn't put you in this earth to knock around and be knocked around like you're in a pinball machine. He put you on this earth to accomplish something. I'm going to make an announcement. Dark days do not make abundant life go away for those who put their trust in him. You find out what he wants you doing in this earth and you just seek his spirit and you shine. Now, I'm not going to take the time to point it out again, but I'm going to go back to Matthew 5. I'll just quote it to you. You're the light of the world. There's a wonderful life for those who follow him. All right, and I'm going to quit by making this announcement. Here we go. Is there darkness in the earth right now? Man, man, you tell me about the darkness. I'll tell you about the darkness. Let's go eat a hamburger and talk about the darkness. Is God alive in the earth? Is there a kingdom in this earth? Is he working in this earth? Always will be the day Jesus gets back. Find out what he wants you to do. And I want to make an announcement. I got problems in my life. You say, I'm not surprised knowing you. I got problems. I'm fighting battles like I've never fought in my life before. Because darkness, I didn't, demons are coming in by the busloads these days around me. I thought, let me tell you what I thought, dumb me. Not dumb me, the dumb thinking. I thought I'd fight my great battles in my 20s and 30s. And then by the time I got to my mid-60s here, I thought, put on my short britches and some white athletic socks and get me some Velcro tennis shoes, what I'll do. Join my life, let the young people handle it. I done done my part, buddy, I'm gonna sit down and fish. God have mercy. 20 and 30, I was shielded. I'm fighting devils by the train loads right now. I'm having stuff going on in my life I had no idea. I'm just going, you got to be kidding me. I've never been in a greater battle than I am right now. I've never had greater junk than I have right now. But let me tell you something else. I've got the spirit of the living God inside of me. I've got the eternal word of God in my hand that tells me everything I need to know and guides me. And I've got the promise of my God that I will finish my course with joy. That's the days we're living in right now. And you need to look up and make up your mind. I'm done monkeying around. I've decided to follow Jesus. If none go with me, still I will follow. I've got a mission and then. Now, <clears throat> I want to point something out here. You say, Brother Brian, it's just it's hard on people that love Jesus. This is difficult. I know this is, somebody told me this is politically incorrect, but that's my joy in life is to PC people off, I guess. That's not my thing. <laughs> Let me make an announcement about what's going on in this earth right now. You listen to me. I've read the end of that book. It ain't over till the fat lady sings. Are you with me? Let me make an announcement. I know that my team seems like we're behind right now. I know that they're dancing on the other side and doing victory laps because it seems like they're ahead. But let me make an announcement. I've got a player that has not stepped on the stage yet. And when he puts his foot on the field, this game's going to turn around completely and it's going to be over. And he will step down. As C.S. Lewis said, when the author steps on the stage, the play going to be over. And I want to make an announcement. It's not he who's laughing. It's not he who's dancing now. It's who dances last. It's who laughs last. And, uh, <clears throat> One night, a friend told me about a dear lady. He said, I asked him, I said, how'd you find Jesus? He said, well, he said, to be honest with you, my wife is a godly lady. And she had a great influence on me. He said, I was a hell raiser and a drunk and running with fools. And said, my wife was just, she was gracious and kind. And she didn't fuss at me. She just loved me. She'd preach a little bit, but she loved me. And he said, I came home one night, two or three fools with me. 
and said it was late and said she got out of the bed and just started cooking breakfast for us. And said she was just so nice to us and <clears throat> said it just sort of struck me. I thought she'd be mad. And said she just fixed us the best breakfast, you know, midnight, something like that. And said we got done, they left. I said, honey, I said, why? Why? Why are you so nice to me and I act like this? You know, on occasion, boys, you need to ask that. Why are you so nice to me when I act like this? She said, sweetheart, she said, you're going to burn in hell one day. <laughs> so I think you need to enjoy all you can while you can. <laughs> she said that to him. That's my kind of woman right there. That's a woman who has toughened up loosened up and looked up. And then he said, she smiled, and went to bed. <laughs> he said, that got me to believe something happened when she said that. And he said, I decided you're enjoying yourself now. Of course, I don't know how in the world getting so sick, you stick your head where the people stick their rear ends all night. It doesn't make sense to me. He said, that's what drove me to Jesus. When I realized this train's fixing to hit a wall on you. And she's going to enjoy her life forever. Of course, he got saved, gave his life to Jesus. And now he's telling people stuff like that. You know, I want to make an announcement. This train is bound for glory. You stick, stick with it. As Paul said in the book of Acts, do not jump off this ship if you want to be saved. You love Jesus, put your face toward him, give him the junk in your life and start hollering early as soon in the morning, as soon as the sun comes up and you stay with Jesus. Are you with me? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you and thank you and praise you. <laughs> Dear Jesus, I'm surprised at the people that are crowing because it looks like they own the farm now. But I've read your word. You rule in the affairs of men. And your word's very clear that one of these days that eastern sky is going to split and you're going to step down and your foot's going to touch the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. And your word said he will rule the nations with a rod of iron. And he will render unto every man according to their deeds. I want to praise you and thank you. Help us not to judge by what we see right now, but to open your word and know the truth. I pray over every person in this room. I pray strength. You told us these going to be some rough days coming up. But I praise you and thank you. I pray in Jesus' name, folks, get this, that greater is he that's in me than he that's running this planet right now. Thank you that there is a strength in the Lord, not just to crawl through, but to sail through and shine. I pray for everybody in this room, Father, that needs your strength. I pray in Jesus' name, help folks find that place where you touch them, strengthen them. Father, I pray for folks in this room to loosen up and let it go. You are God and I am not. Only you can change lives. Only you can fix people. Only you can change destinies. My job is to worship you and praise you and do what you ask me to do. And I pray for every person in this room. If they have not looked up and fixed their eyes on you and said, I live for Jesus and his will in the earth and nothing else. I pray in Jesus name, you will put it in their hearts. They're chasing fool's gold. And it's a wasted life and a wasted trip outside of you. Nothing is going to matter except thy will be done. What a wonderful life you plan for those that just bow their hearts before you. I pray for every person in this room that they will get on and get in this train with Jesus and let's go. 100%. No goofing around. I trust you for that. Thank you for these days. I look forward to the day that we will see you face to face. But I want to thank you that every day is your day. And I declare that Jesus is the Lord over this land, over my life. 
Father, I pray in Jesus' name, by your spirit, draw people to yourself. Now, friend, if you're seated here today and you're still monkeying around with Jesus and you're still trying to decide whether you're God or somebody else is God or some nonsense, Jesus is Lord. He is the only life that's going to last for eternity. And I want you to get on board this morning. You need to follow Jesus. I want you to pray a simple prayer right there where you're at, seated. This is from the heart because that's what he listens to. He is not impressed with the outside. God looks on the heart. And I want you to bow your heart before the creator of this universe and your creator. And I want you to pray to him. Pray this prayer. And say, Dear Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on a cross to save my soul. And I believe you're coming back to this earth one day to take yours with you. And I want to repent of my sins right now. I turn my heart towards you. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I receive you today as my savior. Lord of my life, my dearest friend. I put all my hope in you. I put all my trust in you. From this day forward, I follow you. Thank you for the Bible that shows me who you are and how to live. Help me to understand it. Help me to chase you and follow you. Thank you for the great life you've planned. I receive it. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Friend, if you prayed that, you meant it from a sincere heart. Raise your hand real high where I can see it. Put your hand up. Thank you. Put those down. I give all the glory and praise and honor. Dear Jesus, thank you for what you're doing in the earth these days. I pray we'll be so caught up in what you're doing that we won't even notice. Lord Jesus, I want us to be like that bull and not even look over at the voices. Just stay focused on you. I trust you for that in the precious, precious name of Jesus. I pray. Amen and amen. All right.